So we're recording now, and this oh, is exciting. I haven't seen you in fucking forever. Yeah, I know. It's been, what? Two weeks. Two weeks, yep, yep. And because you had to go on vacation. It was amazing, though. Totally worth it. But next time I'm bringing you with me. I'm going to just bring the laptop so we can FaceTime. Oh, <laughs> Just travel. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to make phone. the flight and just come on, we can do that, too. Yeah, well, you could have done that from your phone. There is Facebook. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow, I suck. That's okay. You were having fun. You were future you, was present you, enjoying drinks on the yeah. on the ocean, a.k.a. the Gulf of Mexico. It was my beach, yeah. and it was fun, and it was the ocean. And I'm so glad. And it was, it was awesome. That's good. It was awesome. I did think about you a lot because, uh, like, every single night we went to bed after midnight, and every single morning, Leonidas woke us up at 630, <laughs> and I was like, could you please just sleep in one day? Just one day. No. Uh, and so I thought about you a lot because I was like, I wonder how Sarah's doing getting up early in the morning, trying to exercise, getting onto the day shift. I know our listeners want to know how that went. Boy, you look so angry right now. <laughs> so it's, it's it's not going as well as I plan. Being oh. Naturally a night owl, I still go to sleep about one or two at night. Um, so you're not getting up to work out. Nope. No, I did not no. get up to work out at all. Um, the thought was there. I did set the alarm to do so and shut that shit off promptly and <laughs> slept as late as I possibly could before I knew I would be late. So there's that. On top of it, my Ray team hasn't been able to find a replacement for me yet. So, I have been coming home on Tuesdays and Thursdays, eating dinner, taking a nap, waking up at 10.30, rating from 11 to 1.30 a.m., going to sleep around 3 a.m., and then waking up again at like 5.45. Wow. So then I just stay angry and exhausted. Yes. So, and I'm I'm very sad because I've quite enjoyed braiding, mm-hmm. especially doing mythic content because I wasn't able to do it the last um, patch, the last expansion, mm-hmm. because of my work schedule. And then I was like, yeah, COVID hours, the benefit of working stupid evening hours, I could raid. No, nah, not anymore. Oh. Yeah, so. Well, don't they have like a... a- day team that you could join or something Uh, no because our guild is on the west coast so it worked out better for us of course being on the west coast because the times made more sense but now they just don't make sense yeah 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 that's a little depressing oh well (sighs) not enough coffee to take that away no no not the interrupted napping like i don't know how the genius people who who was it uh beethoven and the fucking painter artist dude who took like 15 minute cat naps four hours like every four hours Mm. like that is all the sleep they got no thank you eric calls those uh micro naps yeah well um sometimes they work sometimes you wake up with a headache and feeling shittier even though scientifically it's proven like 10 to 15 minutes is ideal because it's supposed to reset your brain functions. I would have to give it a 50-50 because I have taken micro naps at work before during my lunch hour. I'm like, I got 15 minutes. I am going to sleep for 10. And they worked. And then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, 
fuck, that was a mistake. <laughs> I wish your body would tell you, like, mm, today's not the day. Today is not the day to micronap. No, micronap's not on the schedule for us, Sue. Well, we did have an interesting time. Um, Mom brought her friend Debbie, and uh, Uncle Scooter rented out uh, the hotel, which was, like, there was a parking lot between his house and the hotel, so it wasn't very far. Okay. Uh, But the hotel, Elvis stayed there, like, had his own suite and everything. And so mom and Debbie and Nana um, and Stephanie and her uh, her kids and her husband, they all stayed in the Elvis suite. Okay. And so we were joking around. I was like, ooh, Elvis is going to come see you, blah, 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 blah. Like, if you see him, tell him I said, what's up? You know, <laughs> we're just joking around about this. Well, the ladies downstairs told Debbie that she had to rub the wood if she wanted Elvis to come and see her. And so, you know. Of course, the like, wood that was just rubbed. opened up Pandora's <laughs> box. <laughs> we had quite the time talking about rubbing the wood so that Elvis would show up. Yep. Uh, but apparently the wood is the original wood that was in the room when Elvis stayed. So that's what the whole hyped about rubbing the wood was. Yep. But probably a good solid hour and a half to two hours. We were Making talking jokes. about rubbing yep. the wood and <laughs> make sure not to get any splinters, make sure it's erect and yeah. make sure you, you oil know. it up nice. Yep. Yeah, yep. No, so it was, it was pretty fun. Elvis did not show up. Damn it. So Didn't there's always the next break. time though. Yeah, there's true. always next time. Probably has better things to do. I don't know, but it was pretty cool that like they had the whole upstairs, um, uh, kind of a shrine to Elvis you know they had his little cardboard cutouts and they had his records up there and it was really really cool they still had some of the same furniture in there it was it was really cool that's pretty neat yeah yep they had to rub rub the wood and Elvis did not show up so like when you said you were going on a vacation I didn't realize it was the whole fucking family I just thought it was like you and Eric maybe a few you know maybe your mom no it's the whole family did Sam even go no, Sam did not go. She had a wedding the weekend before, and that was just a lot to put on a baby. Yeah. So she did not show up, but everybody else did. Jesus. We had mom and Nana and and Uncle Scooter's girlfriend, Allison, was fucking phenomenal. That's good. This woman, Eric and I got there Tuesday. I tried to warn her, um, but, like, the day that we arrived, we got Leonidas all settled into his cage and She's like, all right, let's go to the beach. And I was like, all right. So, well, like, I get a swimsuit. So we had to go to Walmart real quick and get beer and swimsuits, that kind of stuff. And, I mean, we spent, we were on the beach within 45 minutes of getting to her house. I mean, just, she was not wasting any time. (laughs) Tunnel vision, let's go. Let's get you into some water. Um, But she was phenomenal. Absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. And she did call the family a force, and she was not wrong about that. Um, she even got us to paint. We all painted. And my picture is fucking awesome. And Eric painted a fucking bear. Was and we like are a, not artistic. Like a beer and wine painting type thing? Yeah. Like yeah. painting with a twist, but you're yeah. on the... Okay. But apparently she had been doing this long before painting with a twist. Yeah. Um, but... F- phenomenal i'll put pictures up on the website yeah that'd be fun but, or at least the facebook page yeah, yeah. eric painted a fucking bear oh, like it's amazing and we all i mean all of our pictures turned out 
like we were just painters. Yeah. None of us are artistic whatsoever. Yeah. They're fun. Like painting with the twist things or just like doing those types of events are really fun. I did a couple when I was in Italy. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really sure how it, how it was going to turn out, but I mean, she she was just phenomenal. So, shout out to Allison because she made the trip so much fun. I mean, just awesome. So awesome. That's good. So. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Um other than being exhausted, uh, my vacation starts soon. Yay! I start leave on the 17th of June. I'm going to look at my calendar. 19th. I start, Nine. yeah, my vacation on the 19th of June. We don't fly out till the 23rd. And we're going oh. to Washington State first. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's... Um, been interesting um very unorganized uh, unorganized in plans uh mm-hmm. the girls of the groomsmen's like so the ladies who are just friends and or partners of people in the wedding on the groom side mm-hmm. we have made our own little offshoot plan and it is more organized than the wedding plans Oh. Yeah, so our intentions are leave the boys to their own devices on Thursday. Uh, yeah. They're going to get their suits fitted. They're doing a boys' day all day, like the whole day. Excellent. My husband is not pleased about that, <laughs> but he will have to deal because he is now part of the wedding party. <laughs> and I'm going to go, hopefully, hang out with these other three ladies, and we're going to go kayaking, which I've never done. Should be fun. Hell yeah. Yep, and then we're going to like go to the little town and find a nice place to have lunch. And I think that evening there's supposed to be like a little dinnery thing. I don't fucking know. There are no plans. Oh yes. It's yeah. I I mean the no plan plan is, <laughs> is how you should uh do all your plans. No plan plan. No, just nope. fly by the seat of your pants. No, that's how our friend Pebbles, his name is Greystone. Like his last name is Greystone. My husband dubbed him Gray Pebble and it then shortened <laughs> to Pebbles or Pebs. So Pebs <laughs> has okay. always been a very, oh my God, let's do this. No plan, but let's just go. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. I mean, you need to at least have a, an idea of some plans because... As long as you have a destination. Sometimes he doesn't even have that. Oh, well, I mean. Love him right. to death, but holy fucking Christ, sometimes you need to at least think the, the process through. I mean, I've been guilty of not thinking the process through many a time. And that's good. <sighs> but, yeah, I mean, at least have a destination. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, I've lived a very boring life. Oh, uh. The Burning Crusade Classic it released for a while because they're trying to find, you know, a void to fill because they have yet to release the patch to the current content. I've had a lot of fun. Oh. Like, I would much rather play Classic WoW right now than deal with retail stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the grind is difficult. The bag space, lack of bag space, rather, has been a challenge, but it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I found a new area on the map when we came back, and I was like, ooh. So I started playing that. ESO? I think we've got another, uh, ESO has another patch coming out this month or next month. Yeah, okay. End of this month, beginning of next month, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. 
So I started playing this little little area, and I was like, woohoo, so excited. The boys, uh, has they have left me again, so I'm back on my own. That didn't fucking last long, like... <laughs> It's probably because you went on vacation and yeah. they got, yeah. yeah. How well, a new game came out, I guess, uh, that's kind of like Ark, but not really. And so they downloaded that. So that's what they're playing. I don't I don't know the name of it, but I don't have to hear about Eric yelling about losing a dinosaur right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. But, yeah. Man. So I'm back on my own. Okay. Just Doing my own thing. Just you know, run around. If you played computer-based ESO, I would play with you, but... <laughs> You ain't got them high-tech gaming computers. No. I, actually, we are on a gaming laptop right now, but it's not downloaded on there. Yeah. It's all good, though. It's all good. Let's kick it off. I'm really excited about your topic. It's uh, it's so creepy and it's so <laughs> weird, but I don't even know. It. Oh, I ran across it reading my Facebook news, and it's like an, it's like it's a recent story within the you know last twenty years, but it's an older story. Like huh? it, yeah. And I think the only reason it came up is because of like court hearing type things. So I'll get into it. And oh, who's starting it off? You are. Oh shit! I did it last time. <laughs> All right. It's so, your turn. Welcome to episode seven. Yep, yes, we're at seven. Yep. Seven. Uh, this is Coffee Chaos Chatter, episode seven. I'm Sabrina. I'm here with Sarah. And today, Sarah's going to blow us away with a random topic, and she doesn't know what my topic is. And my topic kind of also ties into my vacation, which is why I've been talking very broadly about my vacation because. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away yet. But yeah, okay. So, wow. um, Sarah, what's your topic? Well, first, I just want to say, like, we checked our little data on our podcast, like our okay. RSS feed. And Malaysia? we are, we are glo- like, we're glowing. glowing. We're growing as well. But, like, it's just... It's amazing. If you people would follow us, that would be even more helpful because we still have the same three loyal followers who I'm pretty sure is my mother, your mother, and maybe your sister. I don't even know. <laughs> but like the button is real easy. You just click follow and it obviously is broken on Spotify because I told mom, I was like, you have to follow our Spotify. And she's like, okay, I'll follow it. And then every Sunday without fail, she's like, have you posted your new episode yet? I'm like, mom, every Saturday episode, new episode gets posted. Well, I didn't get a notification. And I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't help you with that. Just go on and on Saturday or even Sunday morning, it'll be there. Are you sure? I'm like, yes. So I don't even know if I'm following. No, I am because I get updates every time you post it. I'm starting to think the bay, like the, the analytics breakdown is not completely accurate. Because I'm pretty sure I'm also following our podcast just to see if I can get the notifications. Yeah, yeah, I'm following, and I do get the notifications. I might Wait, not do you get have it right premium? away, but I do get them. But do you have premium? Uh, yeah, I do have the yeah, premium. Okay. I have the family package. Yeah, we don't. We use Apple Music, so 
I've refused to pay for umpteen jillion streaming services. Nope. I'd rather I listen to the get it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Uh, Spotify is my only music one that I have. Right. And I also think I have the Amazon Prime music. Uh, but that's like a dollar a month or something like that. So. Doesn't that come with Amazon Prime anyway? Maybe it does. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. There's some kind of Amazon Prime that comes out once a month that's like a dollar ninety nine. So you know. would have to look. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, I just I just wanted to bring that up because we are slowly growing dots. We are growing globe. dots. We have dots. It's amazing. It's like it's, it's snowing on the map. It's so exciting. It is exciting. So thank you guys for listening. Um, yes. You know, and again, if you have interesting topics you can just send us a message anywhere gmail our facebook our instagram we check it pretty regularly so sarah's on top of that shit i'm not surprised (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll have an afterthought be like oh and then i'll look and sarah has already like checked and read these messages i'm like okay cool yes so okay so we have someone in malaysia i don't know who you are but thanks for listening germany and belgium yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, the United States are blowing up. Okay. So shout out to Oregon, Nevada, Texas, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Mich- Michigan, Iowa, Washington, Kansas, Washington. Yeah. And those are our dots. And then we'll we'll shout out to G for listening in Japan. But I your dot's not showing up, but we know you're listening. So VPN VPN it up, buddy. VPN it up. Oh, I wonder if he's the Malaysia one. No, I don't know because he's been listening pretty regularly, and I'm pretty sure his pings in Germany. Germany, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's all speculation. I have no deets. But anyway, we appreciate you guys. This yes. has been fun for us. So way fun. Thanks for listening. All right, what's your topic? Okay, my topic. Yes. It's very, very creepy. And I came across it just reading my Facebook news every morning like I do, not wanting to get out of bed. And I came across this really creepy thing. And I was like, Your hand? I'm going to read this. Your hand? Yes, not very my hand. Creepy. Yep. This is my phone. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> and uh, so I started reading it and I'm like, huh, this will be fucking perfect <gasps> to talk about in the podcast. So excited. So. Sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> literally, literally. Literally. She's literally sitting on the edge of her seat, guys. Oh All right. Tell me. So. My topic today is about Anatoly Moscovin. I remember that name. He has been dubbed as the puppeteer. Oh. He's also been dubbed a couple other names that I can't remember. But basically, this man took bodies of women or girls ranging from three years old to 30 years old and mummified them. Oh, my God. Turning them into life-size Russian dolls. Oh, my God. And it is so creepy. Like, it's (sighs) like the pictures are so creepy. Like, if you thought clowns were scary, these things are terrifying. Like, take Caroline, the movie, and just so button eyes on shit, and, like, it, it's creepy. Okay. So, this is my topic. Hold on, I need a drink. Antali Mosk, Muscovin. All right. All right.
So Let's dig gonna, in. We're going to start at the beginning when he was born. It's September 1st, 1966. Oof. All right. right. So he's born in the 60s in Russia, of course. He's born in an area I cannot pronounce, okay. so I just fair. completely skipped that. Yep. It's fair. Um, so most of my information came from Dark Histories and All That's Interesting.com. Okay. Uh, Dark Histories is kind of like a, a story time podcast type thing. And then um, All That's Interesting just kind of broke down basically what Dark Histories wrote into more digestible chunks. Um, so it's said that in the third grade on his way home from school, Moscovin was raped by an unknown man. And this is when his parents started to notice that something was wrong in his character and that, you know, his social awkwardness began to get worse. Um, They did notice, you know, like as he was growing up that he was highly intelligent, like to extreme levels of very smart. But anytime his parents would address like why he didn't have friends or you know, why he didn't like going out by himself or why he didn't like leaving the house. He became very aggressive and he would like yell and just get even more reclusive, you know, in that, in that realm. According to the podcast, they're not sure if he ever told his parents that this is what happened. It just came out when he was doing a psychiatric evaluation. Like these are the things that came out as he was, you know, under, under investigation or whatever evaluation. He was also the top of all of his classes in school. So as a young boy, he was always like number one in the class. Um, He was so interested in languages that he taught himself 13 different languages. Wow. I couldn't find exactly which languages he learned, but several, several languages. Can we just say all of them? I mean, that's a lot of languages. (laughs) 13 is quite a bit. And talk to anybody. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and eventually when he was uh, teaching, he also taught uh, English to Russian students. And I think he taught a couple other languages during, you know, his teaching time. Wow. He was so caught up in learning and teaching himself things that, of course, he continued to have trouble making friends in school. And anytime he found money or was gifted money, he would buy books instead of, like, going out and, you know, getting ice cream with friends kind of thing. So he was very interested in learning and is learning as much as he could. Mm -hmm. And then this is where his story kind of gets weird. So in Russia, schools, local schools, have this waste paper collection like a thing that's organized by the government. So kids will go out and collect waste paper, newspaper articles, you know, uh, paper that's recyclable because it's very sought after in Russia. And so the government would put this on schools and, you know, they would make a trip out of it. Well, it was actually such a huge competition that these kids would go out of their way into places that they shouldn't go to collect these, you know, this waste paper items. (laughs) And this is where Moskvin found himself one day, and it became a very interesting, crazy, sticky situation that he could not get out of. Uh Uh-oh. So as he was walking to find waste paper, he stumbled into a yard, and he noticed that there were around two dozen adults dressed in black clothing and or black robes. Uh, They were holding candles and singing songs in a language that he didn't know. Okay. So... 
he for somebody that knows languages. 13 languages, <laughs> he did not know this one. This was an occult, wasn't it? Uh, yes. <gasps> I was, see, I'm so smart. Like, before he was noticed, like, or so he thought, he tried to turn around and go the other way, like, as quickly as possible, but it was too late. One of the adults had noticed him and grabbed Moscovin by the arm. As he grabbed the boy, he was like, you have to come with us. Like, you have to come with us. And we need you to kiss this girl's face. Like, it is very important that you kiss this girl's face. Well, come to find out, this was a funeral for Natasha, who died abruptly when trying to grab a towel after getting out of a shower and grabbing an ungrounded and exposed electrical cord. That's how I'm going to go out. So she, of course, electrocuted herself and instantly died. Wow. Once the adult got Moscovin closer to the group of adults, the parents realized, oh, man, you know, we have a 13. I think he was 13. We have this 13-year-old boy. And they started harassing him and, like, insisting that he had to kiss their daughter's face three times. You have to kiss her face. You have to kiss her face. Moscovin burst into tears and, you know, said that he didn't want to. Like, he tried to resist as much as possible. And the mother started promising him fruits and money, candies, you know, whatever, to get this kid to cooperate. But he continued to refuse. And the longer he refused, some of the adults got forceful. And one of the adults grabbed his head and pushed it towards the dead girl's face and said, you have to kiss this girl. So Moscovin, knowing that there's no escape at this point, like he's being held to do this, um, he kissed the girl on the forehead three times. Following this kissing of the forehead, he was then handed two copper rings in which the parents insisted that he is to wear one and he is to place one on the girl's finger. So he did, you know, because... Right, they're fucking nuts. Who the fuck knew what was going to happen? Yep. So he did this. And then following that, he was told by the parents, you are not allowed to say anything to anybody for the next 40 days or else. Like there was no, you know, expanding information on that. Like it's either he forgot or he just was too afraid to admit what they told him. Um, So once he was done, you know, putting the ring on the finger, putting one on his finger and kissing this girl, they gave him a basket of fruit and some rubles. Uh, out of frustration and anger, he threw the fruit into the, you know, the street, and then he took the rubles and bought a book. So from that point forward, Moscovin was now, like, in this weird delirium state. He was, you know, pr- pretty yeah, much PTSD. Traumatizing. At the age <laughs> At the age of 13, like, ah. So following that, that, that night, he started having strange dreams and appearances from Natasha. And she told him that she is coming to teach him black magic and that he is to learn it from her. So for months, um, she continued to appear to him every night, like every single night for months on end. He continued to refuse. And then one time he finally just decided to go visit the town. So he went to the town, looked at her gravesite. And then for a couple of weeks, she, she stopped. Like her visions had gone away. Well... She's back. Yeah, so after a couple of weeks, she then returned, and she's like her spirit seemed very agitated because he still continued to refuse to learn black magic. And so he told his parents, he finally told his parents because he couldn't take it anymore, that he was getting visits from this dead girl, and you now this is these are the events that led to it. And finally, his parents were like, "Okay, something's wrong. Let's take you to the doctor." So they took him to the doctor to get an evaluation, and the doctor's like, 
this is normal. He's just going through puberty. Like he's probably having these weird delusions because his hormones are all out of whack. So let's just give him a sedative and that should help him sleep and relax. Okay. You and I have both been through puberty. Not once did a, a freaking ghost say, nope. hey, let's go learn black magic. Yeah, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea. Man, why not? Because I'm oh, hormonal. Fuck this. Let's go learn <laughs> some black magic. So, jeez. Oh, yeah. So of course, you know his parents now um, took him to the doctor. He's got this medication. He starts taking the medication, but Natasha continues to visit him for the next year. Jeez, woman, give it up. Finally, it seems like she's to the point where she doesn't want to, you know, try to fight this fight anymore because it's clear that Moscovin does not want to learn from her. He's still pretty traumatized. I'm, you know, a year plus being harassed by the same spirit. <laughs> totally. That would be me. I'd be like, uh, okay, where's the holy water? Anybody got any sage? Put <laughs> it out, sage it out. <laughs> I need some sage. How do I get rid of this? But uh, Natasha then said, you know what? Since you don't want anything to do with me, I can teach you how to get rid of me. So she told him of this ritual that he could perform to get rid of Black her spirit. Magic. Yes. So <laughs> So she wins. Either way she wins. Yep. Okay. So woman. She told Moscovin that he could transfer the burden to another if he followed her exact directions. So somehow he got a fucking tooth from a classmate. I don't know how. I don't know if he like tooth fairied it in the middle of the night and just stole the tooth or if he punched him in the face. I don't I don't know. I'm going says, punch it in the face because I feel like this guy has been through so much trauma. He needed to get some of this out. I'm going to, my money's on punch some dude in the face. I don't know. Regardless, he got a hold of a classmate's tooth, went through the ritual that Natasha provided him. That also did not go into details. And then the, the next day, without fail, Natasha disappeared and never returned. Wow. So, this poor classmate is now being haunted by this ghost that wants to teach him black magic and he's like what the fuck just happened where the hell did this oh it's puberty again here we go (laughs) (laughs) so unfortunately after that amount of time like now that natasha's gone that's all he can think about like he's like oh man maybe i should have learned black magic from natasha Go learn another language. Well, unfortunately, this is what now drives him to the levels he's going towards. After finally getting rid of her, Moscovin continues to visit her gravesite at least yearly, if not more often. And he became very intrigued with the occult, black magic, and the enjoyment of wandering through cemeteries and sleeping on graves. I mean, okay, can we take a time out for a minute? If this happened to you, yep. <laughs> like, what? Like, you know, if you're already, like, fucked up in the head. Yeah, like, clearly. But I would be fucked up, too, if somebody's, like, forcing my head down to a dead person. Like, kiss the forehead three times. Now we're going to exchange rings. You know what that is? That's called a wedding. Yeah. He's 13. Yeah. He got married to a corpse. An 11-year-old corpse. Too. And then the corpse comes back. The soul of the corpse comes back. And he's, like, she's, like hey, now I'm going to teach you black magic. I'd be fucked up in the head, too. Yeah. Like, I wonder, I don't know, like, because, again, early in childhood, he was already noted as being highly intelligent. So he was already teetering on that level of, I don't know, 
what you would call it. Geniusness. Yeah, but the crazy genius syndrome. Yeah, crazy genius. I mean, as, essentially, all the genius people are are a bit crazy because their brains don't shut off. Well, they can't. Like uh, John Nash, he suffers from schizophrenia. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. But he's, like, stupid intelligent. It's insane. Like, I don't know how people's brains work that way, but... Yes. Anyway. They make it so easy. Anyways. All right. We, we may continue. That just... It was a lot to process. It I is. To... All, right. All right. Back on track. <laughs> so we're sleeping on graves. All right. All right. So, Moscovin, of course, grew up, you know, graduated high school and went on to study... Falafels. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a genius. Why not, right? Philology, philology. No, it's not philosophy. It's philology, philology. Anyways, he went to study some really important philosophy type stuffs, historical uh-huh. stuffs, at the Moscow State University. Uh, he was also very, very interested in Celtic history and folklore, learning additional languages and linguistics. So now we're up to like what twenty three languages? Uh, all, um, almost all of them, outside of Klingon and some African like tribal languages. I think he's got them all pretty much down pat. How he separates them, I don't know. Just speaks multiple languages in one sentence. I mean, that's the only logical explanation. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe I know people that know like four or five different languages, and even then, I'm like, how do you keep that separate? Because they all have their different like rules and structures and not no thank you my i'm not smart enough i'm the average human like i, I struggled the, the learning spanish my like this <laughs> i can barely understand english yeah you know i did know italian pretty fluently when i was a child but because i haven't used it in, like forever i know a few things here and there yeah like you but. can pick up on key words that they really harped on in school but yeah, yeah. All In right. our Spanish class, we got a lot of Mexican food. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Those fucking chicken nachos, man. They were great. They were shit. All right. Anyway, shortly after, you know, getting involved in the Moscow State University, he joined the Society of Luciferian, furthering his knowledge of the occult, and became certified in black magic and took part in animal rituals. Oh, well, he made his dead bride proud. I'm sure he did, who no longer speaks to him because he used a magical tooth. A magical tooth. Ghosty and a magical tooth. Ghosty. (sighs) Natasha Ghosties and Magical Teeth. Sounds like a children, like a creepy children's book. Right? (laughs) (laughs) If you don't behave, I'm going to get Natasha and her ghosty. With the magical tooth, and it's all downhill from there, sister. Yeah. He quickly became very well known in the college due to his academic interests. Um, He did grow academic circles and was referred to by colleagues and peers as genius and eccentric. Um, He became very famous with many of the papers and books he wrote, as well as the journalistic pages that he wrote for various newspapers up to two times a week. Wow. So he was very all over the place, constantly writing. Um, He also had a personal library of over 60,000 books. Damn. And documents. And 
The thing that all of his friends' colleagues found interesting and strange was his very large doll collection. This is when we get into the gross Why shit, Why didn't huh? somebody go, man, this is really strange for a grown man to have? Wait, wait. So everybody knew he had a large doll collection? Yes, but they thought they were just antique dolls. How he preserved them, they just, and there's oh my pictures. God. It's creepy. I just got creeped the fuck out. There's pictures. Oh, uh, you can even, like, I looked up the video footage, like, when the... There's a yeah. When video? they yeah, I'll give you the link. When they raided his house, like there's videos, and some of these look like giant dolls. I am so stressed out right now. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna continue on. My heart rate has jumped up at least ten beats per minute. <laughs> In terms of time frame, there, like I don't like I don't have a rough timeline. They didn't really give a timeline up until. 2005 and this is when he started his adventures and like out in the open cemetery research so in 2005 Moscovin decided to venture out start a pilgrimage of sorts and he was researching cemeteries around Russia and documenting their histories uh he did go in halvesies with another like um excuse me with another colleague of his that was funding his research so this guy was funding the research for him to go out and collect history and, you know, the events of the cemeteries and what led to these people's deaths and all that good jazz. Yes. Oh my goodness. During his pilgrimage, Moscovin would average about 30 kilometers a day and most of it was on foot due to the various stages. Like, he was in rural rural areas and a lot of those places didn't have roads or didn't have roads large enough to accommodate oh. cars. So everywhere wow. he went, he would walk. That's in 2005? Yeah, in 2005. Wow. Okay. Yep. So he would start his journey in the daytime. Like, once he finished with one cemetery, he would start his next journey to the next one due to the amount of walking. And since he read as he walked, I'm sure that kind of slowed him down because it's hard to walk and read. Hell, it's hard to walk and chew gum, so... That's for us. We're simple-minded people. <laughs> Those smart guys. Yeah, they're good. They got this. Um, so he would usually reach the next cemetery by the evening. And if he had daylight uh, left for that day, he would start going to each tombstone, writing down names, dates of life and death, and whatever information was on the tombstone, you know, for him to journal. Um, whenever it would become dark, he would usually sleep anywhere that he could. Generally, when he started out, it was in the entryway of the cemetery. So they there they had like big concrete, you know, walkthrough areas. So he would make his bed there. If there wasn't one of those, he would find a hay bale or like a saw, sawdust bed area. Or some of the cemeteries that he did visit would have uh, like a little lodging for like the gravekeeper or whatever. So he would also use that. Uh, there was one time that he decided to sleep in a coffin that was prepared for the next day's funeral. So he slept in the coffin with the dead body. How fucking oh, yeah. weird. What, did they snuggle? Like, did he spoon the corpse? I don't I don't know. Probably. Was he the big spoon or the little spoon? These are details These are we need. Weird. It's weird regardless. Like, who sleeps wow. in a coffin with a dead so, body? Like, the dead body was in the coffin. Yes. We just have to accept it. He was in a coffin with a dead body, snoozing. Spooning in one way or another. I don't, that's just weird. Okay, anyway. Well, yeah, but a dead body is cold, so you're not getting any warmth. It's not like you're snuggled up trying to get warm. Yeah. 
But the, dead bodies but are the cold. coffin's most likely padded, and it's probably better than sleeping on concrete or the cold ground or hay. But still, like I oh. probably would have, if I was just fucking weird, I probably would have just like taken like the body out, just said I'm sorry about this, like I really need some rest, and then maybe slept, but not with the body in the coffin. I would have just let the poor man rest in peace, and I would have slept my ass on the concrete. I'm just saying, if I was weird. Or in a pet. And I really wanted to sleep in this coffin. It's but it's occupied. Weird. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> like, it's got the occupied symbol on it. Like. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Close for business sign. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. So, from 2005 to 2007, Moscovin visited 752 cemeteries in 35 districts. And uncovered the history of over 1,000 people. You know, in uh, historical research methods, he made quite the footprint. Yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. That's actually really impressive. As weird as he is, that's impressive. I don't know why it's so impressive, but. And you gotta remember, like, he did most of this walking. Oh, he's in really good shape now. Good for him. What did he take to eat, or did he just steal, like, shit from farms as he walked, or... Well, you said his buddy was helping him fund it, so I'm sure that the he stopped it. But he didn't go and... with him. But he... He had to have money somehow. Maybe. Or that, or just people... Uh, there was a part somewhere in there that said, like, you know, random people would see him and offer him food and water and stuff, so... Maybe he just rationed really well. Okay. Anyway. Um, from 2006 to 2010, Moscovin wrote to various papers and journals on the cemeteries that he, you know, discovered and researched and the histories of those peoples. He was getting a little bit of money from that at that point, but it was very, it, like, it fluctuated very heavily. So some days he was, you know, he had enough money to buy food and clothes and maybe a shower. And then other days he was just kind of eating grass, I guess. <sighs> All right. From there, Moscovin wrote a paper on the Mongol invasion of Russia, and this then drew criticism from the people of Russia saying that he was an extremist and, you know, he didn't believe in the values of Russia and what he was writing is lies. But this criticism also drew the government's attention. And now the government is monitoring everything that Moscovin is doing. Of course. Yes. Um, during these, you know, accusings of being an extremist, he was also accused of being a fascist because he wrote a book on the history of the swastika and like its origins and what it originally meant and then how it evolved to what it was for the Germans. Got it. Okay. After those two, and since the government was already tracking him to be an extremist, after the 2011 terrorist airport bombings somewhere in Russia... Moscovin was visiting a cemetery, and he started painting on the tombstones belonging to Muslims, and then he would tag articles with their names on it to the tombstone. So okay. as he found newspaper articles with particular names, he would clip those out and then tag them to the tombstone. Wow. Okay. This is when he was finally caught by the police. Like, the police happened to be going by his that cemetery and caught Moscovin in the act of doing one of these things. So... They decided to raid his apartment. I forgot to mention that at the time, he's living with his parents in his parents' apartment. Okay. That could make sense. Yeah. So they raid the parents' apartment. Yes. Okay. But he's living with them. 
So the government and the police were hoping to find, you know, plethoras of extremist activity, propaganda, you know, all that good jazz. And instead, they found the 25, 29 mummified corpses of girls and women ranging in ages from 3 to 30. At- when did they have time to do this? From 05. No, it started in 2003. In so 0, he was in body snatching out of the grave. So he didn't actually kill anybody. These were already dead people that he decided to dig up. This is going to be great for my collection. Yep. Yep. Oh, (laughs) I don't, I think that's even worse. The thing that's really worse about this whole ordeal is when they were first reading, they like the police even thought that they were just life-size antique dolls. It wasn't until they started picking them up and moving them that they realize that this something is wrong with this stuff. So every, you know, doll that they picked up, it had like a music box or like a voice box in it. And then anytime they would move the, the dolls, they would rattle and like it, it would sound wrong. Like it didn't feel like a doll. Like a doll. This <laughs> <laughs> just me out. So then they decided, you know what, screw this. We're going to cut one of these open and see <gasps> what is inside of this. And sure as shit, they found the remains of a human, as well as various pieces of items found around the gravesite, in the coffin, uh, chunks of the tombstone where he hand wrote the name of the person that was, you know, the body of that person. Uh, he would take metal plaques from their tombstones. And then he would also, like, put various clothing and like rags inside the the body body like the mummified doll (sighs) part i am so stressed out right now yeah um so basically he was filling these bodies with just random shit yeah well a tie to that to that body to the yeah yeah. so whatever he found in the coffin whatever he found on the tombstone like little in the body god your husband just scared the shit out of me (laughs) Bye. Bye. I just saw the door open behind you and I was like, a doll. Yes. <laughs> no, no dolls. Not, not, not. So today. how did he explain this to his mom and dad? Like, oh yeah, well, I was just walking down the street and found this doll. No. Like, okay. So they say that the parents were usually out of town when he would do this. So anytime he would bring one of these bodies home, it was when his parents were out of time. They also, like his parents, swear up and down that they honestly thought that they were dolls because when he was younger, he showed like this weird interest in old antique dolls and they didn't think anything of it. They just thought, oh, he finally, you know, ventured into this doll making. But were those actually old antique dolls when he was little? Like, like he, when he was littler, he'd never had any. Like, oh, he was just okay. really obsessed with them. Like, okay. He found it, like, he had a huge interest in them. And it's probably following him being forced to kiss this girl. Yeah. It didn't really say. It just said, like, his parents did mention that he was obsessed with them at younger. It actually took locals six years to realize that graves were being dug up and that their deceased family members, daughters, you know, whatever were being taken. So from 2003 to 2009, nobody noticed this shit. So I don't know how they finally started noticing, but that's quite a gap. Yeah. Like, that's a gap. In 2003, again, that's the first body he ever dug up. He went to the bookstore, got books, and read articles on how to mummify. He started reading, like, 
ancient Egyptian literature and stuff on how to preserve bodies. He was able to buy all of the ingredients he needed from the local store. That's terrifying. So he would start digging, like, he started digging in the trash and finding, like, really thin clothing, like, silk cloth or, like, old nylon pantyhose. And he would fill the ingredients he needed to mummify the bodies. He would go and, like, cut a hole in the coffin. Like, he wouldn't even dig up the whole coffin. He would just cut a hole in it and then pull the body out of it. So whatever came with it is what he would keep. And then once a week, he would take, you know, fresh ingredients and then continue to pile it around the body until it preserved essentially wow from there he would take clothing that he found in the garbage clothing that they were buried in makeup and like like paper mache and cloth and he would you know then decorate the doll and dress it up or whatever a lot of fucking thought went into this it's really strange and then under like as he was going through like once he was caught and he started going through psychological studies Um, He stated that his belief in black magic and that medical studies and advances in medical technology would eventually allow him the ability to bring back these dead women and children because that's what the spirits wanted. They wanted to return to life. And he believed... Getting visited by these ghosties. Oh, so yeah. um, Yeah, one of the notes I wrote down, so it said in, in his interview, he said... When he was deciding which graves to dig up, he would sleep on top of the grave site for many nights to make sure that that child spirit that came to visit him actually wanted to return to life on Earth. And then he would spend a couple extra nights just to make sure it wasn't a demon trying to trick him. So he would sleep on these graves for several nights, get visited by get visited by these spirits to ensure like this is really what they wanted. And then he would dig up the grave. Um, it got to the point where it wasn't convenient for him to sleep on the grave, so he started digging up the grave, like the bodies anyway, taking it home to mummify it instead of doing it there at the grave site. Taking it home to mummify it, and then he would sleep with the body at home to ensure that the spirit, again, wasn't a demon and that it's, it really wanted to come back to life. Wow. <sighs> so. He just really likes spooning dead people. My God. When he finally went to trial in 2011... And he was seen by, you know, psychiatric doctors. They finally gave him an actual diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. And uh, due to this level of mental illness, he was it was not deemed safe for him to be in, like, a regular jail, like a regular prison cell. And so they sent him to, like, a mental institution. To this day, he is still in. The strange thing about all of this, though, is he refuses to apologize to any of the parents or the family members of the deceased that he dug up and mummified because he believes that those parents of the children left their kids alone and left to die, like left to their spirits to die, and that him digging them up was no longer their concern because he gave them, like the parents gave up their children by burying them. Wow. Some of the parents are, you know, they're demanding the death penalty, he needs to be, you know, murdered or whatever. Um, and then some other parents were actually sympathetic to what he was doing because of how well he had taken care of the bodies and treated yeah. these, you know, bodies after their passing. So one one parent said, it's pretty sad, but he has taken better care of my daughter in her afterlife than I did while she was alive. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of weird. 
Um, and then there's one mother who is like beyond infuriated, like she's psychotic levels of infuriated because her daughter died when she was 10. And this was the first body he dug up. And so basically he had this girl mummified for like nine plus years and that pisses her off because. Well, that's almost the whole time she'd been alive on earth. Yes. So I just thought that was really weird and creepy. Like there's a lot of background and in-depth information on this, but like 29. 29. That is a shit ton. And like. When you watch the video, it's clearly a hoarder's, like, apartment. The police could barely walk through the rooms and stuff. But, like, these dolls were everywhere. Like, on the floor, on bookshelves. And there was a part in his interview where he said that once he brought some of them home and mummified them, the spirits didn't like him as much. And so he left them in the garage. Wow. So, 20, 29 of these life-size fucking bodies laying around this tiny-ass apartment. So, yes, that is the story of the Russian doll maker. Wow. Or the puppeteer. Wow. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, how That's, disturbing. I'm so disturbed. Like I'm That so is disturbed. very disturbing. And I can't... He got 29 people out of a grave without being caught. It took six years of him digging them up. Oh, my God. This is why I want to be cremated. Cremate my body. <laughs> I, I don't. Do not put me in a box. Do not put me underground. Cremate me and send me on my way. Like the, this wasn't like back in the fucking 70s. No. This was like yesterday. So, like, I started reading that article and I was like, first off, this wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Like, Secondly, yeah. why did it take six years for people to finally start realizing, like, coffins were being dug up? Like, why did it take that long? I don't know. Maybe he was really good at filling the I hole back know. in. Yeah, I don't know. There was another thing I was going to note on. In 2018, he got a new lawyer who is trying to fight to get his freedom. Like, there, he's saying, like, the lawyer saying that the doctor's under his care or the doctors that he's under their care are saying that he's getting better. But honestly, like, first off, he's paranoid schizophrenia. Without proper medication and constant surveillance, he will never be okay. Unless he can figure out how to beat it, you know, again, like John Nash, who suffers from schizophrenia, but he also takes medication. Like, I don't think, oh, Russian doll maker, if they let him back out into the world, he wouldn't start doing it again. I mean, I figured probably after, like, five, it's now... What is it? Um, he has to do it. Like, he, I, I, I'm with you. He's gotten all the way up to 29. He got away with it. Like, he will have to continue because the ghosties are still coming to see him. And they're like, hey, save me. Bring me back to life. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can yeah, do that. Don't, don't worry. Eventually, medical you know, technology will allow me to use my black magic and my fucking magical teeth to bring you back. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, that that's my story for this podcast. Wow. That was a good one. Yeah, and our podcast is going to be pretty long this time because that was about an hour. Yeah, but that was a lot of information. (laughs) Mine is not going to be quite so long because it's very, everybody knows my topic. Uh, But I learned some interesting things when I was looking up my topic. So maybe maybe you won't have to edit too much. I just felt like you needed all of that backstory for it. Yes. Because without it, it would have just been like, 
That was absolutely perfect. I am way impressed. Way to go. Like, it's fucked up. Like, you picked the <laughs> fucked up one to, like, yeah, that, but, wow. I'm still very disturbed. Don't worry. Doll collection. Do- of Russian doll collection. Antique Russian doll, JK, their mummified fucking corpses. Doll collection. Did he have them, like, posed weird? Yeah, they or- were all over the place. Like, some of them were laying on top of each other against, like, shelves. He had one... Only his parents only allowed him to put one in their room, so it was propped up on the dresser. He had them organized around his bedroom, and then he had the few in the garage, the ones that didn't like him. So it was like a fucked up family situation, <laughs> like with twenty nine strangers. But his parents just thought that they were weird dolls. Like what? I don't know. I can't. I can't. Sarah, you're contributing to my alcohol problem. Russian dolls that are actual humans. However, <laughs> I am doing a mob boss, mm-hmm. aka Al Capone. Al Capone. And the reason I'm doing Al Capone he's is Italian. because, well, he is Italian. Um, but the reason I am doing this is because while we were on vacation, yep, in the little area that we were in, Al Capone actually built that entire town and the golf course that we were at was Al Capone's private area that whole area was like his private area there are tunnels underneath for his escape route there's a tunnel that goes to the bay and a tunnel that goes to a rail line and the rail line was strictly for Al Capone and his alcohol, essentially, because this was the Prohibition area Prohibition, uh, yep. when he was mob boss. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. How did the tunnels not flood? Isn't Mississippi under the under the sea table? Some parts are. So what he basically did with the the area that we were in, according to locals, aka Allison, who is just was all over this and I was just eating up every word she said. <laughs> um he actually built that area from the mud. So like he brought it up out of the mud so he could have a place to kind of vacation, a place to hide out. My uncle was actually thinking about buying the original house that he stayed in while he built his fortress down the street. And then they had like a estate sale at the fortress. And I had to work, but some some family went in there, and they they said it was just it, it's like a shrine to Al Capone when he lived there. Like not much has changed. They kept it that way for a reason. He also built the hotel that Elvis stayed in, and a lot of famous people would go the, to this hotel kind of as a retreat because not a lot of people knew about this little town. So there's there's so much history with Al Capone in this little town. It, it was like just he kind of it was kind of his hideaway. And I was kind of trying to look for more history on it. And there's not a lot of information about Al Capone in Mississippi. It's mainly about his other stuff. So um, Al Capone was born in Brooklyn, uh, January 17th, 1899. Uh, He was born to some Italian immigrants. Obviously, he is Italian. Um, So 
Yes, exactly. The Mamma Mia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I actually, I have a lot of information I got from the FBI website yep. because they did a lot of, obviously a lot of stuff involving him. Um, and yep. then I found this article that I'm really going to be reading mainly from or kind of citing more because I, I found out a lot in this little, little bitty article. If I can find where I got it, hold on scrolling. I know I've got it somewhere. Well, like, while you're looking for that, um, in Vegas, there is the Mob Museum. Ooh, My yeah. My mom is obsessed with it. Like, when we were there for the wedding, uh, we had a little bit of time to spend. We didn't even get to touch all the floors. I think we got through two of them before they were getting ready to close. But, uh, they, you know, they might have a little bit more on Al Capone there. Like, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, Al Capone actually, um... He did a lot of damage in a little bit of time. Yep. And he was very young, very, I, I wouldn't say very smart, but I mean, clearly he was smart enough to get some shit done. Uh, so the article that I'm going to be mainly citing is from Mental Floss, and it's 17 facts about Al Capone. Since okay. I figured pretty much everybody has heard the name, I thought this would be really, really just a very good kind of all around so you get the picture but I it really kind of tied into the whole Mississippi trip which I didn't know he had his own little slice of paradise down there and it is so awesome so I didn't awesome know either. that's pretty interesting so yeah but he he literally uh kind of built this that little area it's a golf course and they tried to keep it as original as possible and it's just it's so peaceful like I totally get it why people would um, if you don't know, Al Capone is also, uh, known as Scarface. The way he got that nickname was from a bar fight that scarred his face. And so the bartender called him Scarface and it stuck. And I was like, I'm going to need more, but that's all I got. So Say that's how he, to my little friend. Yeah, that's not how he got, <laughs> that is not how he got that nickname. And I was highly disappointed that that was not how he got the nickname. So they also called him the Robin Hood of the Prohibition era because, you know, he, everybody wanted to exonate alcohol. And he was like, fuck this. Here you go. Have a beer. Yeah. Um, so Al Capone was very temperamental. He spent his early years hanging around the docks in the Brook Brooklyn Navy Yard near his home. Uh, he was a good student, but at the age of 14... Capone struck a teacher in the face. So he just, okay. that's how it all began. And apparently it felt good. Uh, Capone was expelled and uh, left school and never went back. So. Um, 14, he said, fuck this. I'm going to go be a mob boss. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, a lot more money in it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Capone, after leaving school, he worked odd jobs. He even played semi-pro baseball. He was a baseball player. Can you believe this? I mean, he was all over the place. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he held jobs at a candy store, a bowling alley, and a local bindery. Uh, he made quick money at the pool hall, and he played semi-pro Brooklyn baseball team with his brother, Ralph. Okay. So, I thought, I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Capone was not just a mob boss of his 
of Johnny, I believe it was Johnny Terrero was the gang that he was most known for joining. And the way that he actually took over Johnny's gang was uh, there was a hit put out on Johnny. He actually survived. But after he got shot, he was like, I'm done. Like, I'm too old for this. Here you go, Capone. Have fun. Yeah. Um, but he belonged to several gangs. So he wasn't just in his own gang. He belonged to several. It says that he had several le- legitimate jobs, but he also belonged to uh, street gangs that specialized in things like petty crime and vandalism. He was part of the South Brooklyn Rippers and Junior 40 Thieves. Man. I know. Busy man. <laughs> he was ganging it up everywhere. He was. Uh, at 16, Capone became a member of the Lower East Side based gang called the Five Point Gang, named after the notorious 19th century Manhattan slum. I don't know what that is, but that's what he did. Okay. I told you about the Scarface thing. He got into a bar fight, ended up getting his face scarred, so that was that was pretty interesting. You know, the call sign thing cracks me up because that's exactly how, like, our naval flight officers get their call signs. It's stupid shit like that. Yeah. Yep. No matter what (laughs) happened, like, even though his heels wound, the Scarface name just stuck. I mean, that's pretty much how... You mean even though his wounds healed? Is that what I said? No, you said his heels wound. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh, Capone lied lied about his scars. He told people that he sustained the three scars from shrapnel while fighting in France during World War One, even though he was only, you know, 16 and had never gone to war. That's pretty good. Yeah, and people was, probably was, believed him. Probably. Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he was working his way up to mob boss by that point. Yeah. So, essentially, what happened, uh, about 1920, Atario, he was the one that got shot, and he was like, look. Uh, uh, Capone was Torrio's like right hand man. And so when Torrio got shot, that's how he kind of took over. Um, he also got all the racketeering rights, pretty much just got everything just kind of handed to him on a silver platter after Torrio, uh, retired essentially. The big thing was the St. Valentine's massacre that happened on February 14th in 1929. So allegedly, Allegedly, Calpone's mobsters dressed up as cops and seven members of an of associates of the Bugs Moran mob were machine gunned down against a garage wall by these cops. And Capone wasn't even they think that he ordered the hit because he was very brutal and he made sure all of the opposing gangs knew that his gang was the way to go, but he was in Florida at the time. So obviously they couldn't connect it, but he is most known for that. He was arrested actually. In the, the mob museum in Vegas, they actually have like a whole hallway dedicated to that valentine's day murder thing and it has like the sound effects and like screaming and machine gun sounds and stuff and like the whole wall is just a mural to like the events that went down it was very very crazy 
I mean, but nobody at that time had ever thought about it. I mean, these guys dressed up as cops, so these gang members are like, oh, okay, well, it's cops. Yeah. And at that time, everybody had respect for everybody. And then out of nowhere, they just get shot down. Like, it was... Yep. It's insane. Fucking wiped off the earth. So, obviously, the FBI gets involved. Yep. He gets arrested... The Investigation Jurisdiction of Bureau, also, that's what they were called, but the FBI during the 1920s and early 1930s was limited than it is now. No, yeah, like, their jurisdiction and, like, what they could do was a lot more limited, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The gang warfare and depreciation of the period were not within the Bureau's investigative authority. Uh, The Bureau of of investigation of Al Capone arose from his reluctance to appear before a federal grand jury on March 12th in 1929 in response to a subpoena. On March 11th, his lawyer formally filed for a postponement of his appearance, uh, submitting a physician's affidavit on March 5th, which attested that Capone had been suffering from bronchial pneumonia in Miami and had been confined to bed from January 13th to February 23rd, and that it would be dangerous for Capone's health to travel to Chicago. His appearance date before the grand jury was reset to March 20th. Now, with that being said, he was spotted shopping, eating, laughing. Having a great Um, time. Yeah, having a great time. So uh, Capone actually did appear before the federal grand jury in Chicago on March 20th in 1929 uh, and completed his testimony on March 27th. As he left the courtroom, he was arrested by agents for contempt of court, an offense for which the penalty could be one year in prison and a $1,000 fine. He posted $5,000 bond and was released. On May 17, 1929, Al Capone and his bodyguard were arrested in Philadelphia for carrying a concealed deadly weapon. Uh, Within 16 hours, they had been sentenced to terms of one year each. Capone served his time and was released in nine months for good behavior on March 17, 1930. So Capone had been arrested a few times. Um, On February 28, 1931, Capone was found guilty in federal court on the contempt of court charge and was sentenced to another six months in Cook County Jail. Uh, His appeal on that charge was subsequently dismissed. Uh, Meanwhile, the U.S. Treasury Department had been developing evidence on tax evasion charges. In addition to Al Capone, his brother Ralph Bottles Capone, and Jake Greasy Thumb, not even going to try the last name, (laughs) uh, and other mobsters were subjects of the tax evasion charges. On June 16th in 1931, Al Capone pled guilty to tax evasion and prohibition charges, uh, then boasted to the press that he had struck a deal for the two-and-a-half-year sentence. But the presiding judge informed him uh, he, the judge, was not bound by any deal. Capone then changed his plea to not guilty. So the judge heard him bragging to the people, and the judge was like, yeah, 
not going to happen. So on October 18th in 1931, Capone was convicted after a trial and on November 24th was sentenced to 11 years in federal prison. He was fined $50,000 and charged $7,692 for court cost, in addition to another $215,000 plus interest due back on taxes. So he had to pay out some serious money. Yeah. The six-month contempt of court sentence was to be served concurrently, so he didn't have to do his 11 years and six months. It just all kind of ran together. Yeah. While uh, waiting for the results of the appeals, Capone was confined to Cook County Jail. Upon denial of appeals, he entered the U.S. Penitentiary in Atlanta, serving his sentence in Alcatraz. Um, Now, this is very interesting. He was suffering from syphilis and had deteriorated greatly during his confinement. Immediately on release, he entered a Baltimore hospital for brain treatment and then uh, went on to his Florida home and estate in Palm Island. Now, when he bought his house in Florida, the Florida people, the townspeople, did not welcome him. (laughs) They were not happy that he was there. Uh, So I thought it was very interesting. And I was kind of curious. I wonder if he had syphilis before he went to jail. Like he kind of makes you so, wonder. So yeah. Well, I don't know though, cause eh, e, e, yep. what a shitty time in prison. <laughs> Ugh, I'm disturbed now. <laughs> Just saying, it does not say how he got it. So. Al Capone's Chicago outfit, this is just kind of one of those 17 facts things, uh, made so much more money. The organized crime led by Capone uh, called the Chicago outfit made him one of the country's most notorious and wealthiest mobsters. Through activities like gambling, bootlegging, and racketeering, Capone's gang netted around $1 million dollars a year, and that was in the 1920s. I didn't do the math. No. So, nope. uh, but it it's definitely in the billions. Jesus. That was in 1920. $1 million a year. So, all those fines he had to pay? Yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. No, it was, no. There's a movie. I don't even remember what movie. I feel like I just recently watched it. Anyways, it, I think it is like a, a story about Al Capone. It's pretty interesting because every time he went to jail or he was put in confinement or whatever, like his posse would always come around and just pay it out with a little extra on the side. Like, here you go, coppers. To me, that's just insane. This is a little bit of good because, you know, Capone had his kind of his hand in everything. Yeah. Um, He actually ran a soup kitchen during the Depression. Around a year after the 1929 stock market crash that led to the Great Depression, Capone opened a soup kitchen at uh, 935 South State Street in Chicago and trouted free soup, coffee, and donuts for the unemployed and served more than 2,000 people a day. It wasn't an altogether nice gesture they say that Capone likely used it as a PR move to turn 
public sentiment in his favor after the St. Valentine Day Massacre, because after that, a lot of people just really kind of, when the uh, kitchen closed shortly after it opened, its operator cited the country's economic recovery, even though jobless rates had actually risen not long after Capone was in charged and went to jail. Can I help you? <laughs> All I saw was a nose. <laughs> He likes to have a stare down. The uh, infamous baseball scene in the Untouchables was actually based on Capone's Capone's little stint playing baseball. Stint playing baseball. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they had um, obviously sent him to prison. Yeah. Uh, When Capone was in Alcatraz. Alcatraz, he actually played in the band at Alcatraz. Okay. And he got out of Alcatraz because of syphilis. We all know that. We we did that one. I totally went out of order. Now, isn't Alcatraz in California? Mm, it's on the island. Yeah. It's, you know that. Yeah, it's California. It's off the coast of San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? I think you said Alabama. I'll have to go back and listen. But I was like, Alabama? What? <laughs> Let's do this. Alcatraz Island. Where are you? It's now a U.S. National Park Service. It is. Um, you can take a little boat and you can get tickets when you go to San Francisco. And you can take a little boat out there and tour it. That would be a fun tour. Yeah. Not a big deal. It is. San Francisco. Yeah. Bam. I'm pretty sure you said right. Alabama, but maybe you mixed up a couple of places that he had been or something. And I was like, Alabama. It's very possible. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I really suck at Alabama. This. I just bounce back and forth. I get squirrely. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about this. No, um, so syphilis got him out of San Francisco. And then uh, he actually died at the age of 48 in Florida of heart failure. In January, on January 25th, 1947. That was just so. because of the effects that syphilis did to him, or? It just says because of heart failure. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, no, he was treated with penicillin. Yeah. Uh, but his physical and mental health continued to worsen. Yeah. So it just says of heart failure. Yeah, it's probably like a little side effect of living with it for so long because it doesn't even say how long he had it for. Yeah, it does not say, but he definitely, he had it for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had it long enough to go crazy in Alcatraz, which is, they realized he was acting really strange and then figured out he had syphilis. So, I mean, you've got to, I I suppose you'd have to have it for a while. Yeah, if it starts to to start deteriorate your mental health, yeah. That's crazy. What a shitty way uh, to go. Right? Like, you were on top of the world, and now you're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that fast. Yeah, that fast. Yeah. Uh, and I thought this was interesting. One Canadian town used Al Capone for marketing purposes, even though Capone never set foot on Canadian soil. That's interesting. He had a lot of followers there. I'm thinking it was the alcohol. They had to admit because, I mean, if you think about it, Capone kept the alcohol business alive. Yeah. And he kept that alcohol flowing, that's for sure. Another cool thing, like, 
again, the mob museum in Vegas, they talk about his dealings, like how many casinos he ran. So Reno is one of the casinos him and two other of his posse ran. And it it was one of Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, I think, that and the Flamingo were one of Frank Sinatra's favorite hotels. But there's like stories and there's saying like Frank Sinatra and some other really famous actors and musicians back then were part of the mob because of their influence and their money. Well, oh yeah. Well, in Biloxi, just right across the bridge from where we were staying, uh, the main strip, like going down the main road, uh, I think it's Highway 90. I think it's, it literally reminds you of a mini Vegas. And then you kind of drive down, um, kind of downtown in Ocean Springs and that little downtown area, there's not what we would consider like the square. Yeah. There are no red lights and it kind of gives you like the little New Orleans feel. So you've got Vegas across one bridge, New Orleans over here. And it's just this little bitty like town that you just drive through. And if you blink, you miss it, but it's, it's so cool. So, but I thought like the whole golf course area, and if y'all go to Ocean Springs, you have to go to the golf course uh, and just scope it out. Like my uncle's doing amazing things, just trying to get it all back to, you know, he's got the first nine holes, like you can play golf and it's absolutely beautiful. He's working on the back nine holes. The hotel is open nice. that Elvis stayed in and it's got, like I said, if you go upstairs, rub the wood, uh, Rub the wood. Let's see if we can't get Elvis to come back. They've got a huge nine, uh, huge pool for hotel guests. Yeah. And it's nine feet deep. Oh, like, so you could dive in this pool. Yeah, like, it yeah. is beautiful. Uh, and it's right there by the water, too. So, there's just so many. And you can drive by Al Capone's house that he stayed in. And then go down to his fortress that he stayed in after he got done building it. Do they do tours or anything there? Is it like a historical no, landmark? It's actually privately owned. Okay. His houses are privately owned, so. Well, that's sad. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of cool, though. I mean, you can drive around and just kind of look, be like, ha. Huh. That's pretty cool that they've survived hurricanes, so that, like, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Um, But I just thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can definitely. You can see the mobster kind of mentality. You got little mini Vegas over here. You got mini New Orleans over here. So it's just beautiful and tranquil. And you're just like, wow, this is kind of cool. And soon you may be moving there. Yeah, it's it's a sure thing. Well, nothing nothing is a sure, sure thing. But how'd you convince Eric? uh, He actually convinced himself. Yeah. Well, that's good because I know, like, when we kind of mentioned it, he was very no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's good. He, uh, I mean, I, I, I told him my piece. I, we're in a great spot right now. And if we're going to make something like this, if we're going to make a big move like this, this would be the time to do it. So he, uh, he finally, I just kind of stopped talking and I was like, figure it out. Just tell me what we're doing. At this point, I don't care. We can either go or we can stay. I don't care. I just need to know what you want to do. Yeah. Any other? And he finally came out and he was like, I see what you're saying. This is the perfect time. Let's just go. If we don't like it, we can come back. And I was like, 
Yes, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I said that two weeks ago. But hey, I'm so glad you figured this out. So any yeah. other fun, exciting Al Capone tidbits? Al Capone? No, just he had his finger and everything. Paid a lot of money. Taxes out of everything he had his hands in, taxes is what ended up getting him. Yeah. That syphilis. Yeah, that and syphilis. He had like a seven year reign. That was it. Did a lot of damage in those seven years. Yeah. But he, he kept was really alcohol young. alive. He kept alcohol alive. And for that, we will be forever grateful. <laughs> he kept alcohol alive. Um, let me see here. Let me pull up an old Coach Humphreys history facts. His page again, very random. So finding a fact. Well, I have an interesting. Something, it doesn't have to do with D-Day, though. Okay, go for it. I was looking at my Google, you know, headlines. Yep. So here's a breakthrough. Shrieking planets could explain the mysteries of the universe and missing worlds. Shrinking planets? Mm-hmm. Shrinking planets. Mm-hmm. How does a planet shrink? I don't know. I'm not clicking on it. I'm just going to read the, 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 okay, the first okay, one. I just wanted to know how planets shrink. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Humans can learn how to echo what? Echolocate. Echolocate in just ten weeks. Experiments show. What does that mean? I guess if you're deaf and you need to find something like a bat, you just echolocate, or like a dolphin. Dolphins echolocate. So you just ka ka. Uh, Wait for it to come back? Uh, not quite, but close oh. enough. A uh, woman, 30, arrested after posing as a 13-year-old student. That's creepy and creeperish. Anyway, so. Aliens likely aren't visiting Earth, but scientists believe they're out there. Here's how the searching for intelligent life goes. Okay. These are my articles. Okay. No more fun facts. No more fun facts. No more fun All facts. right. Well... Thanks for listening. No, I, I enjoyed your uh, your story. It was very good. I will, uh, guys, I promise you I will get my shit together next one. <laughs> I just had to bounce all over the place. I'm sorry. No, like, all of your your topics have been very interesting, especially the reincarnation one. Is, I feel like there's a lot more that could go into that, but. Oh, yeah, for sure. I may have to revisit that topic later. And if we don't do your mom's church shooting soon. We might be the next victims of <laughs> homicidal rage. I think it'll all just be like yelling at us through video chat, but close enough. Like our, a piece of our soul might die. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to cover that and do a little bit of research in it. But I, again, I, I feel like we can make that uh, it's not really discussion topic worthy, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, wrap it up. Wrapping it up. A little bow on the top. Again, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to our podcasts. Thank you. Um, we're having a ton of fun and so much fun. The like we're getting lost on topics because we have a, a whole list. So if there's something you guys want to hear, let us know. We we are down to research and talk about it and make it entertaining. Uh, again, our Patreon still not getting any love, but that's okay. Like, we know you guys are listening, so that, that's love. But 
Patreon does help help out, and eventually we'll be able to do merch and stickers. I love stickers. Like if we could just do stickers, that would be fine. But <laughs> <laughs> and we have so many ideas for the Patreon donors yeah. donators. Like, but we can't do any of them because we don't have any. Like we're kind of already doing the shout out thing, but you know we can maybe even give you like a shout out or invite you to a, a live podcast join us yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would be cool you guys can give your own little surprise topic um so we do have patreon um we got our instagram going we've gotten a lot of followers on that um i don't know if it's based on friends or if it's just based on my plethora of hashtags i think a little bit of both get it girl yep we do have a facebook page um and we have a website your husband has got to stop scaring me like that. <laughs> he gave me a very not amused look. So that that's oh it. yep. So and and our website. Uh, if you go to our website, coffeechaoschatter.com, we have all of the media platforms that we are currently you know sending our podcast to. But if there's one that's not on there that you wish to for us to add, just let us know. We also have the um, episode goods, so you can see the links that we've clicked on. You can see the pictures that we're talking about. You'll get to see the creepy dolls. I'm going to have to put them up there. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, and then our email address, if you have an idea or you have, like, a listener story that you want us to talk about. Um, talk to us. Yep. Just send us an email, coffeechaoschatter at gmail.com. And I think that's it. I think we've hit all of the the medias. Tick tick tick. Check them all off. Tick tick. tick. Um, so yeah. Again, thanks for listening. We appreciate thanks you guys. Thanks for listening. Love ya. Love ya. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye.